GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your trusted source for relevant and legitimate Web3 information. I'm Kyle Reedhead, and I'm not joined by my co-host, Jaybird, today, because he's actually fallen sick. So today, I will be doing this one on my own with Matthew from Argent. But if Jay was here, he would say, we believe that Web3 is going to change the world. That's why we're here to guide the world's top talent down the rabbit hole as you contribute and capitalize on the opportunity. This is episode four of our four-part series of wallets. And this one was with Argent. We brought on Matthew, who is the lead strategy and operations at Argent. Uh, And Argent is the first smart wallet that was built on Ethereum. He's been at Argent since 2018. And before that, worked as a strategy consultant and helped former British diplomats advise companies on international growth. This was everything that I wanted it to be. So I've been pretty excited about account abstraction and smart wallets for a while now. I've been using Argent for a while, but I know it's a topic that is somewhat difficult to understand. We hear this word account abstraction a lot. And I think a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? And why do I even care? If you were at ETH Denver, you would know that this was basically the topic of, I don't know, most of the presentations and conversations happening at ETH Denver. Account abstraction is a really big deal. And this episode is going to simplify what that means for you. Account abstraction sounds like it's something complex and the technology behind it is. And we tried to stay away from most of that and instead talk about what does account abstraction mean for the average user, the average builder? How is it going to change the way that we interact with Web3? The complexities of account abstraction, as much as that is, account abstraction actually just makes everything we do so much more simple. If you want your mother or your parents or a friend who doesn't get crypto and blockchain to use crypto and blockchain to use Web3, account abstraction is how they're going to do it. I'll tell you that right now. This is the thing that makes crypto go mainstream and makes it just feel like Web2. It's the mobile moment, let's say, for crypto. Whereas right now we're in the desktop moment. And I think as we discussed in this episode here, there's just so much that this is going to offer to the space, both in terms of UX, but also in terms of security. And actually I learned a few really important things about security and kind of things that I just didn't quite actually understand yet. So there's a lot that was discussed here. Matthew did his best to explain so many questions that I asked and I did it in a simple way for all of you to learn and understand. I hope that you guys all enjoy this episode. I really did myself. It's too bad Jay wasn't here to join us. He's not too so well at the moment. I think he's got some food poisoning. With that said, Jay will be okay and he will be with us again soon. Before we get into this episode and learning all about account abstraction smart wallets with Matthew, let's take a quick second to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. 
At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we've partnered with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. What if I told you that industry pioneers from flagship Web3 brands such as Consensus, Polygon, Binance, Unstoppable Domains, Ledger, and Uniswap will all meet up in one place this summer. You don't want to miss this. I'm talking about the epic Web3 conference taking place in beautiful Lisbon on the 9th of June with over 20 curated talks, speed consultations with Web3 experts, networking sessions with investors, and even the opportunity to raise funds. This conference has it all and you'll get the tools you need to succeed in this industry. Plus, we at Web3 Academy will attend and host a community meetup with you and the others from our community before the main event. So come along, meet us, network, and start building alongside leading Web3 innovators. We can't wait to meet you. Remember, Lisbon, Portugal, 9th of June. We've got a 15% discount for you, but ticket prices go up every few days. So get your tickets today by using the link in the show notes. Enter the promo code WEB3ACADEMY15 to secure your spot. Or if you become a pro member, you can get an even bigger discount. So go pro today. And we'll see you in Lisbon, Portugal, on the 9th of June at the Epic Web3 Conference. Welcome back to Web3 Academy. Matthew from Arjun, thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited because, you know, we've talked in the last series here, the last three episodes with other wallets, so hardware wallets, browser extensions, browser wallets, and we've kept teasing account abstractions, smart wallets. We've kept teasing what you guys are doing over here at Arjun. I've also been a long time user of Argent. I love the wallet. And I know you guys have been around in the space for actually a really long time, which I'm not sure if most people currently understand that. So lots to talk about here, but I'd love to kind of start it off with a little bit of background about Argent. You guys have a pretty long standing story in the Ethereum ecosystem. And I think you've been with Argent for most of that. So why don't you just kind of walk us through why Argent was started? What was the reason for kind of building it and give us a little bit of that story up until today? Sure. We started nearly six years ago now, which in crypto years is kind of a couple of lifetimes. So it's three founders. They've known each other since growing up together in Belgium. And they combine expertise in consumer mobile. Gerald and Itamar had a brain training app before Argent that they then sold. And Julian, the third founder who leads a lot of our R&D, is specialized in quantum information and cryptography. So it really brings that security knowledge. 2017, when prices going up and a lot of interest was first, that wave of interest growing into crypto, were getting deeper and deeper into it, could really see there was something special there. But they also couldn't get over how bad the UX was compared to the existing kind of mobile apps or any other digital experience of that time. And these were like very technical people who were really struggling. And so they knew kind of that skill set that they had gave them a bit of an opportunity to think, okay, there's something very special here for the long term. Is there, you know, some value we can add by bringing together our experience? And so they started building Argent in 20, what would that have been six years ago? 27? Now, yeah, that's 2018. We went live on mainnet September 2018. And really the idea was to solve kind of three big problems that they saw, which is Crypto was way too hard to use from seed phrases to the OX addresses to the clunky interfaces. It was too insecure. Again, the seed phrase is part of that, but also this idea that you make one wrong click, one small mistake, losing everything and it's game over. And then the idea also that it's just kind of like 
just way too frustrating. And they knew that someone had to kind of tackle those three challenges. And they felt strongly that it should be mobile first, because firstly, that's the direction that a lot of technology is heading. But also, if it's going to have the greatest impact globally, then clearly, you know, emerging markets are mobile first. And we do think crypto can add real value in those kind of environments, especially in the future. And so we really wanted to try and improve that mobile wallet experience. Anyone who has not used an urgent wallet, it's very different than any other wallet you use. Like as soon as you have it, there's you don't deal with seed phrases. At least back in the day, you didn't worry about paying gas. You don't sign transactions. It's like, it's a whole different experience. And you guys were very early to that. But I remember when you guys launched, like we're going to cover all gas fees quickly. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Can you talk about that story a little bit? Yeah, Itamar, our CEO, traces a lot of his gray hair back to that um, <laughs> e summer and us saying that we'd cover all gas. So initially, it was a genius idea. You know, abstract right. away, hide as much complexity as possible. So when you onboard Argent, unlike other wallets, you don't have a seed phrase. Instead of an OX address, we gave everyone an in, in ENS. So you'd have a friendly looking uh, name that much easier to remember and interact with. And the other thing is we just thought, things like gas, like people aren't used to paying transaction fees when they're sending money to a friend or ordering an Uber or whatever, you don't have some weird kind of fee behind it. So we thought, let's make that disappear. So we covered it. And then gradually DeFi summer comes along. Initially, we were super excited. And then we saw our gas bill skyrocket. And so we knew we had to do something about it. So unfortunately, we had to get users to pay for what they were doing on the blockchain. But also, thankfully, there was more technology coming out in the form of layer twos. And so you could move off yeah. of, an, of the Ethereum L1 and instead stake your ground elsewhere where it's much cheaper and faster. Talk about that. You guys have moved to, is it ZK Sync? Start that? I don't know. There's so many. I don't even know which one it is. But just talk about that sort of journey of going, okay, this whole thing we want to do of abstracting away all the crypto stuff, including gas fees, not so easy to do on the Ethereum L1, which is where Argent used to be. Maybe walk through that story of you guys moving from there to, to wherever you are now. Yeah, exactly. So right now we are all in on ZK Sync and StarkNet to Layer 2s. And uh, yeah, you're right. The positive side of that, like the pain we had with gas, it was an early catalyst to really like focus everyone in the company on thinking, right, like we know crypto is not going away that this model is not sustainable. And it wasn't just an issue for us. Like You can't expect there to be everyday normal use cases for a mainstream audience if you're paying $100 for a transaction. So we were very, very early to be exploring You know what that looked like. Should it be alternative layer ones, different types of layer two, side chains, whatever, all this terminology. Our kind of process for narrowing down where to go was we didn't want to go with an alternative blockchain because we really believe that Ethereum has a lot of value in being that kind of credible, strong, decentralized foundation that anyone can build on. Some of the new blockchains had kind of untested economic assumptions or didn't have the same developer community, hadn't been battle tested in the same way. So we really wanted to stay with that system. And Layer 2s allowed us to kind of bring the benefits of both. You get the Layer 2 with low fees, and quick speeds and still tied to that security of Ethereum layer one. And then within that, we chose two networks, 
that were the best ground for a smart account like Argent. So ZK Sync and Starknet, because of the way they've been designed, make smart accounts kind of first-class citizens with traditional wallets, like something like MetaMask. And we can maybe get into some of that later on why that is. So yeah, it forced us to be very early there. We now have Argent X with our browser extension wallet on Starknet that's just crossed a million users. And we're soon launching mobile wallets on both ZK Sync Era, which is coming out soon, and Starknet. And we really believe most consumer activity will move away from layer one and two there to like, as I said, it just doesn't make sense for most people to pay such high transaction fees. So there are use cases for sure there, like maybe some high value NFTs will stay some kind of institutional money or some treasuries, but then the day-to-day activity of most people we think will move to networks like ZK Sync and uh, Starknet. Absolutely. And we'll definitely get into a lot more of that in just a second. I know a lot of the listeners probably want to understand what a smart wallet is in account abstraction. We've teased it a lot over the last month in this wallet series. And so we will get to that. First, I just want to go back for a second. You said you have a million users on your desktop wallet already? A million downloads. Yeah, a million downloads. And that's despite Starknet being an alpha and our wallet being really early and the system just emerging. I think that the traction we're seeing there does validate some of this idea that um, reducing transaction fees a lot will open up Ethereum to new markets. We're seeing a lot of activity in Turkey, in China, Southeast Asia. And so we would love to do a lot more in the coming years in those regions. Mobile is smaller for now. So our layer one wallet, which still exists, Argent Vault, we think is the most secure option for a lot of people. And actually Vitalik wrote a great blog post last year or maybe the year before on why that kind of wallet, and he mentions Argent, can actually be even more secure than just using the hardware wallet alone. This kind of idea that a hardware wallet is the pinnacle of security, but actually a hardware wallet alone is a single point of failure. You have a seed phrase, something goes wrong with it, you've lost your assets. Whereas a smart account like Argent, you can distribute that security a little bit by identifying other accounts like friends, family, hardware wallets if you want to help you protect and recover your account. Okay, I want to dive more to that as well. We got a lot we're going to talk about today. Let's start with account abstraction because I think this is the big differentiator of what really Argent is versus anything else we've brought on here so far, any other wallet in the ecosystem. And so I think for the listeners to really grasp everything we're going to be talking about, I think we need to understand this first. It's not an easy thing to understand. It's not an easy thing to explain, but we're going to make you do it anyway. And I hope that you can do this in a simple way for listeners to understand. Give us the like 101, what is account abstraction? And then let's get into like, what does that enable for us as users or for builders of wallets? But walk us through what this even means and what a smart wallet is. Sure. And just in case I end up making people even more confused with a terrible explanation, co-founder Julian did a great three-part blog post called WTF is Account Abstraction. It's on our blog. It will explain all the details much more clearly and probably more accurately than I will. But to get to what is account abstraction, in Ethereum today, you have two types of accounts. An externally owned account like MetaMask, and that is a wallet with a seed phrase. There's not much you can do with it in terms of your security. You literally just keep your seed phrase safe pretty simple functionality. You hold assets, sign transactions with dApps, you can send. That's kind of it. It's a very simple kind of rudimentary account. Now, 
There is also another type of account though called a smart contract account. And Arjun is a smart contract wallet. And the kind of benefits there, as it's a smart contract, it's programmable. And so you can tailor it to a user's specific needs. So you can add a lot of functionality that really improves the security and usability of a wallet in Ethereum. So for some specific examples, with a smart contract wallet, you, instead of a seed phrase, you can use something that we pioneered called social recovery, which I just mentioned, where you can choose trusted contacts or devices to help you recover your account if you lose your phone. You can also add other security features like set a daily transfer limit. So you can transact as much as you want up to a certain level, but anything above that needs the approval of one of what we call your guardians, which are these trusted accounts. You can also do things like whitelist certain addresses. So you can kind of build up a address book of trusted contacts, send as much as you want to them. It might be your hardware wallet. It might be your Coinbase accounts, but then any transfers to untrusted addresses are automatically blocked and would need approval. It's kind of much more the model of a kind of good bank account, except it's still self-custody, which is a really important thing, kind of much easier to use. The other way to think about it is a really simple thing is like EOAs, traditional accounts are the first mobile phones, the big old kind of ugly Motorola's and whatever, and smart accounts are the iPhones. They're much more flexible, easier to use, and we hope opening it up to a much bigger and more mainstream market. You gave a good explanation that I think it was David from Bankless Podcast explained, which is yep. that EOAs are kind of like Bitcoin, where they have one purpose, so they can do one thing. And then smart wallets are kind of like Ethereum, where they're programmable and can do like many things, which I thought was a pretty good explanation or just like a good like example to explain it, I guess, in your head. And so I guess if I was to try to explain this is... I'm just trying to understand this difference of you say that it's a smart contract, whereas something like MetaMask or whatever is not a smart contract. How can we explain that in another way for people to like really understand what that means? Like the same as like if I was to build an application on a blockchain, I'm building it in a smart contract. I'm using a smart contract, which is basically like a programmable way of making whatever happen. That's the same thing you're doing with this wallet. Or how else can you explain that? Is there another better way? Another way is sort of with EOA like MetaMask, you're really just controlling it with a private key. And then you're controlling an account with a private key. With a smart account like Argent or Safe, you're controlling it with code. And so the options there are much more flexible. Okay, very interesting. How does this make the UX better? I mean, one of the things I noticed when I use Argent is I don't have to sign transactions ever, or at least... I don't think that I do. It doesn't show it. Maybe you guys are just hiding it somehow, but I don't really have to. Like every time I do anything with MetaMask, it's like, okay, I got to sign this, approve this, so on and so forth. When I'm using Argent, works like any other app where just things just kind of happen as I click them, which is really great. I assume this is account abstraction that's making this possible and allowing this to happen. Can you talk a little bit further on that? Yeah, sure. So in addition to the security benefits, there's, there are big usability benefits. And so one... Uh, key one is something called multi-call and that's really just the ability to batch lots of transactions into one so again to compare to a sort of web 2 experience you're used to doing whatever it may be on your phone 
in one or two tabs. Think how frictionless something like TikTok is. Ordering an Uber is. It's one tab. You're not signing transactions constantly like you would be in MetaMask. With a smart account, you can make it so that the user does one tap and then under the hood, you're automating all those other steps because you're stitching together all those other steps. And so it is way easier. And then another benefit of that is it's also more secure because when you're using MetaMask, you have to do two signatures, something quite simple you're doing is approve and call, and you're allowing a dApp to interact with your wallet and potentially take an unlimited amount of tokens from your wallet, which is a big security risk if the dApp is malicious. And it looks very weird to someone interacting with the dApp. But by doing a multi-call, you can program it so that it only has the exact amount of tokens you need kind of approved for use with that dApp and everything happens under the hood. So it's much easier. So the smart contract wallet, whoever makes it in this example, we're talking urgent, of course, whatever use case I'm using in your app, you're kind of controlling what's possible from that or like what's, when I go to make a trade or something, I don't want to say like you're restricting, it's not like a censorship here or something, but like you're basically making the pathway of what I'm trying to do if I'm trying to trade a token or whatever. You're kind of making that all happen and flow it for me instead of like me trying to scour the internet to figure out how to make that happen and sign a bunch of transactions for that to occur. So I think there it's getting into a slightly different area. So we have two types of adapt experience in our mobile wallets. Imagine one is what we call a native integration where you open the app and it just looks like a kind of a menu of options. You might like swap, stake, earn interest. And there you're just kind of tapping which option you want to do, choosing the amount and confirming. And it's all, as you might say, like, we're kind of like steering that person's assets down the correct path without all the complexity. But we do also support Wallet Connect. And so people can use their phone to connect to any desktop dApp that also has Wallet Connect. And there we control less of the experience and it's more on the dApp side. And a reason why we're so excited by ZK Sync and Starknet is because they support native account abstraction for their dApps. They're promoting it really heavily. And so their dApps will build with smart accounts in mind and will add some of that functionality. So it's less kind of Argent steering down a path there. It's more like each dApp, everyone in the ecosystem figuring out how to remove as much friction as possible. So there the dApp would implement multi-call and Argent can just interact with it and it's super easy or another smart account user. But there's a bunch of other usability use cases as well, like session keys where you can give a dApp permission to interact with your account for a certain period of time or an amount. So you can imagine playing a blockchain game, authorizing a dApp to interact with your wallet up to a certain level. And there, an on-chain game can make hundreds of transactions without you needing to sign every single time. Mm. But you have the peace of mind of knowing that the, the game isn't going to drain your account at all. And so there's things like that where you're bringing the benefits of crypto with the user experience that people have got used to outside of crypto over the last couple of years. And that combination, we think, is what can really expand the market for crypto. This makes me think, for example, with Lens Protocol, I'm not sure if you're on Lens and using Lens, but when I'm using social media, I shouldn't have to sign transactions every time I comment or yeah. post or retweet or whatever they call it, mirror. 
my assumption is with what you just explained, I it will get rid of all that and track that away as well. And I could go and use my Web3 social media and not have to sign transactions every time that can do this multi-call as well, right? Yeah, exactly. It's down to the dApp or the wallet provider because it's programmable. You're only really limited by the imagination of the developers. We can create entirely new experiences. Mm -hmm. And you know, another like that is we announced recently two-factor authentication for crypto. So it could be you're sending to a new address, you're sending a certain amount, or you're interacting with a dApp that other users or we flagged as potentially malicious and prove it with your email or hardware wallet or something mm -hmm. like that, just to get that added peace of mind that you really are meaning to make that transaction. Interesting. These are UX experiences that are becoming significantly better than kind of the old way we used to use crypto and also security experiences becoming significantly better, which is interesting because usually if you want better UX, you actually have to kind of risk a little bit more on the security side and you guys are kind of doing both at the same time. Sorry, just, just to interrupt you there, that is exactly right. Like we've always had the view that the two inextricably tied together and things like recovery really prove that you get rid of seed phrases. It is much easier and also much more secure. It shouldn't be a trade-off between the two. Right. I love that. I just want to ask one thing and I'm going to go back to the seed phrases, but to be clear, the functionalities and the things that you're talking about in terms of multi-call, in terms of even these seed phrases and 2FA, like these things are just not possible with a non-account abstraction wallet, right? With a non-smart wallet, let's call it. Like MetaMask or something, in the way that MetaMask is now, those can't do these kind of features. Is that true? Other wallets can offer seedless recovery for sure. And a prominent example of that is Coinbase Wallet, I'm pretty sure, uses something called multi-party computation. MPC, I'm almost certainly going to get this wrong, but where they're splitting up the, the key between different parties and you need a certain combination to kind of right. make that key whole enough to work. We don't favor that approach. We think it's a bit more prone to, or depending on you and the team, like much more prone to censorship resistance, but also then doesn't give you the other benefits that account abstraction gives you. So you're maybe helping with one of those use cases or one of those features recovery Beyond are helping with multi-call and session keys and whatever else it may be. So yeah, it could be a step in the right direction in terms of seed phrases being really pretty terrible and anything better than that can help. But we do think smart accounts where crypto should head. And it was immensely helpful to view on that to have someone like Vitalik validate it because we can right. say the same thing on Twitter day in, day out. And it's like talking our own book, but for him to come in and say like, no, actually, MPC is not the way to go. This is the way to go. Has really helped what we think has been a huge surge of this quite technical sounding term of account abstraction in the last kind of year. Ooh. Well, account abstraction was basically the key topic. I know you weren't at ETH Denver, but I hear that's all I was talking about was account abstraction at ETH Denver. So it's picking up story, which is a good thing. Okay, so this is interesting. It sounds like account abstraction is going to make the UX way better. It's going to ideally make things way more secure. Talk to me about your view of where the sort of like ecosystem goes with this. Like, should we all just have account abstractions? Like, does the other style of wallets, like, do we even need that anymore? Or do we just only go this route? Like, what's your view on kind of how this all unfolds as this technology improves and becomes more available to everybody? Yeah, good question. So I do think this is the direction the industry is going. And I found it interesting to hear 
on a recent Bankless episode, the Uniswap wallets lead designer talking at the end about account abstraction and smart accounts with the hosts and saying that they too, you know, Uniswap just launched their wallet, but it's in a UA like MetaMask. They too think the industry is moving towards smart contract wallets and they say they plan on launching a smart contract wallet at some stage for all the reasons that we've just discussed, the better usability, the better security. I do think it will take a while for the whole, like the whole ecosystem is not going to move overnight. Like MetaMask is seen as the default for DApp developers. We're really trying to change that, but it's going to take a bit of time. And it's much easier for us to help influence that when we have the support of networks like ZK Sync and Starknet. There is a great kind of movement, if that's not too grand a term for it, for ERC4337, which is trying to bring some of the account abstractions benefits to VM chains, including their one. And that seems to be gaining momentum. And that will help raise awareness for dApp developers and wallet developers that this is the way things are going and they should build with that in mind. Because the downside at the moment is smart contract wallets on a network without native account abstraction can occasionally get blocked by a dApp if the dApp doesn't make a very small change to support smart accounts. So our users on layer one had that initially with OpenSea where they were trying to sell NFTs on OpenSea or whatever and they weren't able to. And it's a pretty frustrating user experience. So that was part of the reason we were so keen to go to ZK Sync and StarkNet where it's native, where we don't quite have that issue. So when it's not native, you would have to go to OpenSea and be like, hey, OpenSea, like, can you please build in this ability to interact? Yeah, it, exactly. It's a tiny change on some chains, actually. Well, some dApps may not need to do anything anyway. I'm not sure exactly what the functionality is. That means they, they do or don't, but some dApps yeah. do need to make a small change. It's called EIP-1271 signatures from smart contract <laughs> wallets. It's a very small change. They just need to support compatibility. And when it was really just us making the argument for that, it held less weight. But now, right. as you say, like the main topic at Youth Denver, it's not just us saying this. We think that that's going to be an easier, easier battle. And eventually there will just be a tipping point where people build for smart accounts first, and then it will be much, much easier. Maybe MetaMask and stuff will still have a role, but just because it has bit easier to be totally multi-chain from the start, whereas as a smart contract wallet, we are focused a bit more on certain routes. So I'm sure the two can coexist for a bit. I gather what you're saying is that other than where you guys are building now on ZK Sync and StarkNet, any of the other or most of the other chains, I guess, are not, they don't have account abstraction native yet, which means that anyone building on these they have to actually go like above and beyond. They have to do something out of the ordinary to go and make sure that account abstraction wallets will work with their app, which is kind of like, if you think back the day before mobile was a thing, you build a website and then as mobile was coming along, you're like, okay, I got to also go and make this mobile friendly, which like some did, many did not. And so that was like, it took a little bit for the mobile experience to actually become great and everyone to do it. It sounds like the same sort of thing is happening here because for example, Optimism and Arbitrum, which are quite popular in the L2 world and then obviously Ethereum, and I would assume Polygon as well, actually, they just don't have that native feature just yet. They have to, like, it's something that everyone has to go out of their way and do to make these kind of wallets work with them. Is that correct? Exactly. And so the only pushback I'd have on that is I don't think, like, it might not be quite as drastic a change as that's needed, like, above and beyond maybe is, like, making it sound like a bit more heroic than it is. But that's exactly right. I like that example of they're kind of building for 
a mobile audience as well. This change is coming, people are growing in like awareness, but they can just be stuck slightly in like the status quo. And just on that, in terms of like the change coming to the different chains, we've always thought that layer twos can be a great testing ground for some of these changes. Like we can experiment much more easily on a layer two, there is less financial value at stake at the start on these, rather than say having a big protocol change on layer one to make it native there. So it is much easier to test some of this stuff on layer two, see how well it works, use something like ERC4337 to carry on pushing the narrative, to make things a bit better. And then in the future, it could be like a bigger change at the protocol level maybe. But So outside of this native account abstraction kind of integration into chains, is there anything else that's holding back, I guess, the adoption of smart wallets? And I say that because when I've used Argent, it's so much better of an experience. It's like if I was ever to bring my mom, and I keep bringing this up on other wallet episodes, it's like if I was ever to bring my mom into crypto, I'm never going to get her to get a MetaMask. And it's nothing against MetaMask. It's I've used it for many, many years and it's done very well for me. But like she's never, ever going to figure that out. Whereas Argent is like, it's just so super simple. And to do all the things, she could probably figure that out. And to me, it seems obvious that this is the way it's going to go. But we just, I actually don't even know any other smart contract wallets other than Argent. And I'm sure there's some out there and you don't have to say any of the names, don't worry. But I just mean, what else is holding back this adoption? Yeah, sure. No, so there's some great other options out there. Gnosis Safe in particular is also oh, right. okay, yeah. um, doing an amazing job pushing the narrative. And also the, the fact that they are the default choice for so many crypto teams and the, like the TBL in Gnosis Safe accounts is vast, then they've really shown that right. people can trust this model with the highest amount of assets. For listeners, Gnosis Safe is the, the most popular multi-sig wallet, which is what a lot of DAOs use and different companies in that that are in Web3. So the main criticism of our approach on layer one was the gas cost, because it actually was more expensive to use Argent than MetaMask. On layer two, that's not an issue. So I think one of the main criticisms would be, it's not as easy for us to be fully multi-chain in the way that something like MetaMask mm-hmm. could be. Right. You have way more options out the box with MetaMask, with Rainbow, with some of those others. Now, we've, I guess we would say, frame it more as we've chosen quality over quantity. We've chosen two networks that we think will be hugely successful in the future, where you'll be able to get access to any use case you could on those other chains, but in a way that is smoother, more secure. And we think that ZK Rollup technology, which is what Starknet and ZK Sync use, is going to be more sustainable in the long term anyway. So we've been happy to make a very focused bet on those, giving ourselves the option to add others kind of more on like a one-by-one basis in future if we need, mm. rather than being multi-chain out of the box. That's a very conscious decision of ours, but I think maybe that would be one pushback from some people. But then I think the main limiting factor is not just related to Argent or smart accounts. Like the, the main limitation at the moment in terms of adoption is we need more use cases that are appealing to a, a wider variety of people. So it's great that you would give, your mom might enjoy Argent, but we need to give her a reason to be using crypto right. every day in, she might be already, but we need reasons to bring in more people to this space. Like how can we positively impact their lives on a regular basis? So 
we're really excited by Layer 2 opening up some of those opportunities. We still think, you know, it's the kind of textbook example, but like payments, we still think there could be huge scope for like a global kind of peer-to-peer payments and some of those use cases, identity, gaming, like we're really excited by what the next few years might bring. Moving crypto away from like, it is too speculative at the moment. And so, yeah, for us, that's the biggest factor by far. Great points. I'd actually love to dig a little bit deeper into what you just said there. So this is a question we've actually asked on each episode. And it's that right now, every wallet, and it's called a wallet, is because they're all built for money, right? They're all built for like cryptocurrency. And a lot of Web3 is, well, that's still happening. There's so many more use cases that are being built out with things like NFTs, right? And DAOs and with governance and all that kind of stuff. So like, there's just a lot more than I think when wallets were first created, right? And it's hard to even call them a wallet at this point because they do so much more than facilitate money. Like you said, identity and gaming and all that kind of stuff. How do you see, or at least maybe what's Argent's plan for that on kind of like how a wallet plays a role there? Because I feel like right now all wallets are just built for fungible tokens. They're not really built for like images and videos and other forms of content and other things that we're going to store and identity and things that we're going to store in our wallet. I'm curious, like, if you want to talk about either just your overall thinking on this or like what Arjun's plan is towards this. Yeah. So that goes into a bit like what use cases do we think we want to support? And also a wallet doesn't have to look anything like the wallets of today. And so we recently announced what we're calling a web wallet where you're interacting with a dApp with an email and password. So it feels totally like using Web2. So you're not needing to download anything before and you still have access to your assets. You can still use other projects in that ecosystem, but it's just kind of frictionless onboarding. And there the wallet is becoming pretty invisible. And again, Julia, co-founder has written before about the kind of invisible wallet and whatever that cliche quote is about advanced technology feeling like magic, you know, that is one direction that a wallet could go down where you're not even really aware you're using crypto, where you're using a wallet. What do you mean the invisible wallet? Sorry, but you just like, you just use an email and password and there's no login to a wallet? Or what do you mean by this? How does that even look? I was really hoping you weren't going to ask me how it works. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think technically, I'm just trying to even visualize it just like if I'm going to use it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so somehow in that process, you are creating a wallet. It's just you're not kind of going to the Chrome store, downloading an extension or whatever. Right. So in some elements, you are creating a wallet that only you can control. You're encrypting your key with your email. But yeah, basically you're creating an account, but it's self-custody, just as you would create an account when you're signing up for a Web2 service. And then the architecture of that, yeah, I'm afraid. I know less about, but, but you know, that ultimately with account construction again, you're removing the seed phrase. You can remove the need to have a certain token to pay for gas. You can remove the need to pay for gas altogether. You can remove the need to make so many transactions to interact with the project. So it's all like just removing as much friction as possible so that it, mm. in future, you should be able to just believe you're interacting with some service without really knowing all the technical details underneath in the same way that you don't when you're using digital services outside of crypto. So that's one way we're kind of changing up what we think or what it could look like. The identity question, I think, is a great one. 
makes so much more sense, in our opinion, for someone to be in charge of their own identity and that then helps them interact with the wider world rather than just using a login with Facebook or a login with Google or whatever those other big tech giant services are. I think clearly it's super early there, but we would love to explore and work with people pushing the boundaries there. Yeah, and then in terms of, you know, on your phone, like what kind of other multimedia could you have for NFTs and music NFTs or whatever it may be? Yeah, it shows like there's a huge, huge design space still to play with. And right now, or until now, crypto has still been just getting these kind of core foundational pieces there. And uh, you can see just how quickly the user experience can evolve once these big problems are solved. So do you see that in the future, as this tech gets built out further and we abstract away a lot of this and you have this invisible wallet, do we then have like a bunch of different wallets? Like when I go into a new application, do you think I'm always going to be connecting my like main wallet into every new, like, I don't know, Facebook, like let's say it's the Web3 version of Facebook or the Web3 version of Uber, et cetera. Or is it this like when I go into an app and it's a new one, instead of creating an account there, I'm creating like kind of what you said, a new invisible wallet, or am I just going to be connecting my wallet into it? Like, how do you see that sort of playing out? I don't think it makes sense to create new wallets for each service you might be using because you want to be able to have peace of mind with your wallet. So at some stage, you need to have researched the best option for your kind of security needs or have just had faith that you've been recommended it by enough people that others have really dug into the details and that you are confident holding, you know, what will be an ever-growing volume of your digital assets there representing a lot of your digital life. And it could be identity, it could be NFTs, it could be art, games, it could be your like on-chain CV, whatever it may be. So it makes sense that you are having an account you are totally confident in and can verify that because it's open source and all those kind of things, rather than not quite knowing who the provider is and are they any good or whatever when you're creating it in each account. So yeah. in hesitant to say the invisible wallet term again without knowing exactly how it's going to be built, but the idea there is still that it would be the same accounts that you could right. use to access other projects. But as I said, with the programmability of the, the smart accounts, you could have something that is like your main vault with different security rules to another account that may be more like everyday spending accounts or something. So right. they have less money in that account. You may be using that one to sign in to different types of services that have looser restrictions there. But then to move anything out of your kind of main vault, you may need multiple approvals or whatever you choose to set because it suits your security requirements. And we're already seeing indications of what that could be like, because as we've said at the start, Arjun has been going now for a number of years. We've had a smart contract wallet on layer one for a number of years, and we do have people storing like seven figures of assets. We even had nine figures of assets in one well, account for it. And there- that You guys all scared of that one? <laughs> <laughs> That person clearly is going to have different level of kind of authorization process to move their assets than someone with like 
ten dollars in. I guess to wrap up a very long answer, even if you have this like idea of your one wallet that you use for most things, you could still have sub accounts within that with different rules to Agreed. make it more suited to day to day. Which makes sense to me. And the reason I ask is like if you look at where the space is going right now, you have something like Reddit who has their own wallet, right? And then you have Starbucks. It's like, okay, they're coming to Web3. They have their own wallet. Everyone is like, okay, we're going to make our own wallet. And some wallets are going to just do like interact with my app, like Reddit, and that's it. And can't do much else other than you can send out. And so it's kind of like, okay, are we going to have a million of these? Are these are the new version of yeah. accounts? Or are we going to do the whole like version of let's just connect into things? And it's, I don't know, it seems like we're going to do a bit of both. I'm not quite sure yet at this point, but. Anyway, yeah, to see how that plays out. It was a great answer, though, so thank you. Did you have more to add? Yeah, and definitely hyper-competitive. We don't really see how EOAs, the MetaMask of the world, differentiate themselves other than design because they can't really add that different security features, usability. You're basically just hoping you have the distribution, and Coinbase Wallet has the best distribution because all Coinbase users have that. You can kind of see why Uniswap wanted to own that consumer relationship and launch their own and they have such a good brand that maybe they have good traction. But even though it's a very, it looks like a very nicely designed wallet, still lacking that like real gulf indifference between what has come before with other wallets. So we hope we've been able to do something a bit different and that it will get even more differentiated as the layer 2s progress. But yeah, I've also seen, you know, some people launching wallets just targeting a specific niche like NFTs or gaming or stuff, which is clearly all the viable option too. Right. I guess back on the security side of things, we had a, a great conversation with Ledger and obviously Ledger is kind of the beast in this space and it's a lot of people are using it. I'm curious where hardware wallets or where hardware in general plays a role here with a smart wallet in two forms. I think one, in the way that most people use EOAs or those who are trying to take extra measures, they'll typically back that up on their hardware wallet, like their MetaMask or whatever. Is this something that we can do or should do with Argent? And then my other question is, as hardware becomes more native to like Web3 features, because for example, there's just a lot of things you can't do on like an iPhone, for example, versus like, let's say the new Solana mobile phone. Will hardware change anything or make anything better or different? For a smart wallet. And if that's not your expertise, that's okay. You can say pass. I think the highest level point for us is we don't think your average person on the street, most of your friends outside of crypto, family outside of crypto are going to buy a hardware wallet and put up with that type of experience. Now, for those in crypto today who are already using them, you can use it with the Argent to help you take certain security actions over your account while still the Argent wallet remains in control of the assets, but you're just using the hardware wallet to approve the action you want, like a recovery or authorizing a particularly big transaction. So they definitely work together and complement each other at the moment. And we think that that will stay true for a while, especially while crypto kind of matures. But in the long term, we do think it's a bit too difficult for a lot of people to access a hardware wallet and use from there. So yeah, we don't think that that like the hardware wallet option is the silver bullet for crypto security in the long run. Interesting. So the view of Argent, and you don't have to speak on behalf of Argent, but I guess the view of you or others in Argent is that actually gets potentially just abstracted away or is gone and we don't need that because a smart wallet can give us all of the security or if not more than maybe a hardware wallet could. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, well, I think for the highest value use cases, I think for a long time, people will use hardware wallets with smart accounts. I think it's a good option to have as your kind of guardians or whatever, you would keep hardware wallets as some of those options to approve some of the security measures. I'm sure there'll be people who use them for an extremely long time. But I think for most people, especially when the crypto market broadens, I don't think they'll be going to a hardware wallet first. Interesting. Very interesting. I actually just want to go back to the guardians here because I don't think we really actually dove into that. And I'd love for the listeners to understand what that means if they've never used a, a, an urgent wallet. Seed phrases, obviously, we've talked about this on every episode, seem like a terrible idea. There's no way that we are going mainstream where people have to write 12 or 24 words down on a piece of paper or try to remember it. Again, my mom's going to be like, what is wrong with you? What are you getting into if that's what she has to do? So that seems crazy and kind of funny that the future of the internet is going back to writing things down. So talk to us a little bit further about what this means of kind of social recovery and or I'm not sure if you guys are going something different than that, but like just walk us through what that is and what guardians are so that people can wrap their heads around this further. Exactly. So we couldn't agree more. We think it's crazy that this kind of digital future is people are such big believers of writing it down a piece of paper or engraving it in metal. So with Argent, you can choose other accounts to help you give recover your wallet or approve certain actions. And really what that started with is what we call guardians on layer one, where you can choose trusted family members or contacts. You can choose Argent if you want, but we still don't have access to the assets. We can just act as your guardian or even a MetaMask or your ledger. And there you as the wallet owner always have more control. You can make a request of these guardians and they can just approve or deny if they think it's a valid request. So they don't have access to your assets. They're just helping you take a certain action. So you're not needing to rely on any centralized party. You're not needing to rely on a piece of paper that you lose everything. You have some redundancy. If you lose your phone and say one of your guardians is offline or doesn't want to help you, then you can be fine as long as you've chosen multiple guardians. And you can have, I think we've had people with like nine guardians before, which seems crazy. The optimal security on their one was like three made sense for some people if you're really wanting a lot of redundancy. For simplicity's sake and just while layer two is kind of maturing and people still don't have the kind of assets there that they would on layer one, our default accounts, when we launch our new wallets on there too, we've had one on ZK Sync for a while now, and we've got the Argent X one, is just to have what we call Argent as a guardian where we you can approve it with your email and phone instead of a seed phrase. But we can explore adding more options for sure. Very interesting. And it makes complete sense. Why am I going to write something down when I can just go, hey, I got some friends and family and you guys can help me un- uncover my assets, which seems just so intuitive. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, as we begin to wrap up here, Matthew, would love to just hear what's next for Argent. We've talked a lot about what's possible and kind of what you guys have. Curious, and you don't have to share it all depending on what you're able to, but tell us what's coming up maybe this year or just like what your guys' roadmap is and what you guys want to see happen. What we hope will be a very exciting few months ahead, having been kind of heads down building now for a while as ZK Sync and StarkNet evolve. So we've recently announced a multi-sig wallet for Starknet. So that is to be the default 
account for DAOs, DEPs, and other kinds of teams on Starknet. Web Wallet, which is the email and password, which will be on talking to both. If we first on Starknet, but we've been having some very interesting chats with ZK Sync about meeting some potentially pretty big corporates who want to provide some kind of crypto experience, but without asking people to download an extension first. So we think Web Wallet could be a great option for those bigger traditional companies wanting to get into crypto. We will be the first wallet when ZK Sync era launches, which is very soon. So stay tuned on ZK Sync's Twitter account for when news of that will be. That's on mobile. And the final thing is also mobile for Starknet, which I need to check on the dates for that sometime in the next couple of months or a few months there. So a real blitz of Layer 2. And we hope that we can get as many people as possible to try it out. And in particular, talk to as many DAP developers as possible, working with Starkware and Matalabs who build ZK Sync to show the kinds of experiences they can make possible now. And yeah, hopefully push crypto adoption a little bit further. Are you guys seeing that apps are now beginning to, I guess, create new innovative experiences because account abstraction is now possible? Like again, going back to the mobile from desktop experience, it's like there was a lot of apps that came along that just weren't possible on desktop. Uber, for example, no one was walking around with their computer with them, right? You could only do this with mobile. Yeah. I imagine many of these are going to happen as a result of account abstraction. Are you starting to see apps building that way and doing this? Or is it still, we're a little bit behind on that? We are starting to see signs of it for sure. A limiting factor has been on Starknet, they have been preparing for Cairo 1, which would be a big advance there. And so we're expecting many more dApps to come to Starknet after that. But we're already seeing some pretty interesting examples of AA in action there, like Aspect, an NFT marketplace, uses multi-call, that transaction batching that I mentioned. So you can quickly add loads of different NFTs to your shopping basket in the way that you might shop on Amazon or whatever like that. And for ZK Sync era, they've been in testnet for a bit. They're going to be on mainnet pretty soon. And so we're expecting a lot more dApps to launch there. But the ones that we've been speaking to on testnet are interested in stuff like multi-call. Even like DEXs and other DeFi projects, multi-call can have huge advantages because you can just, instead of like depositing one token in one pool as a liquidity prior and then needing another token and exchanging it and putting it in a different pool in this complex series of steps, it's just one tap and the dApp can sort out everything else for you. It's going to make everyone's life so much easier in this space. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Okay, before we wrap up, where can people go to get an Arjun wallet, to try this all out, to, I don't know, keep up with everything you guys are doing? Give us the whereabouts. Yeah, so for getting an Arjun wallet, www.arjun.xyz, there you'll get access to our mobile app and also Arjun X, which is our browser extension for Starknet. And the best place to stay up to date with us is our Twitter, so at ArjunHQ, not at Arjun's which is a women's wear brand in New York. And we occasionally get some quite interesting customer complaints from them about trousers being the wrong size. So at Arjun HQ. That is amazing. Okay, we typically do a speed round at the end. You got a, you got time for just a couple quick questions? Sure, sure. Okay, I didn't go over this with you before we started. So this is all a surprise, which means you're going right on the spot here. We're just going to do three, so don't worry. But what's an NFT you'll never sell? My track record with NFTs is so... <laughs> 
bad. I haven't even been able to tell my wife just how much money I lost on NFTs over the last <laughs> couple of years. They are a complete catastrophe. Worst NFT buyer. Sophisticated one I might have is an X copy edition, but everything else is unspeakably bad. <laughs> that is hilarious. I feel for you. I'm really sorry. What is one thing that you bought recently for under $100 that brings you joy and it does not have to be like crypto related, does not have to be a digital asset? Tough question. I buy too many books. Instead of NFTs, I buy too many books. So it's probably be a book that I bought recently. I have to get them delivered to the office so my wife doesn't complain too much. Okay, well, then I'm going to make that the last question. What is a must-read book? Which is actually funny. It's one of the questions here. I wasn't going to do that one, but you teed it up perfectly. What is a must-read book you'd recommend to the listeners? Again, does it need to be about crypto? There's two that I read towards the end of the last year that I think would be maybe interesting to crypto people as well, that it's not quite crypto. Biography of Oppenheimer about the Manhattan Project and the building of the atomic bomb, which I think is soon going to be a Christopher Nolan film. And then also more kind of like closer to work. I think it's just called The Founders about the start of PayPal. And mm -hmm. it's super, super interesting and shows they were thinking about a lot of the ideas that a lot of crypto wallets, even us, talk about now with kind of like a super app for all things financial. And it talks a lot about Elon Musk's kind of X as you wanted this one kind of financial like hub for everything. And uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I read that book recently as well. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. Awesome. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing what Arjun's up to and also helping us understand this complex world of account abstraction, which is funny. It's super complex, but in the end, it actually makes things super simple is what I've realized today. So again, thanks so much for sharing that. And we'll have to get you back on as more of your Argent products release and, and get out into the world. So again, thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. And if it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.